Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, and I like being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 222. I think that's the caliber. Uh, I'm your host tonight, Mike. It is. I, I'm going to say, isn't it 222 Remington? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. It was a fireball or something? Yeah, that's what it is. Because yeah. I, I, every once in a while it comes up in the chat groups where someone's like, oh, can I put a 223 bullet in a 222? Or can I shoot 223 out of my 222? And from the answer that I've heard, the answer is no. Do not do that no. by for any reason at all. Uh, anyway, I'm your host tonight, Mike. And tonight with me is Thomas. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I am doing great. How about you? Uh, it's been a tough week dental-wise, and so if you see me mumming my words, it's because my face is numb and I'm on painkillers. But other than that, <laughs> uh, this week hasn't been too bad. There was a happy yeah. ending to the week, at least, so I'll, I'll get into that later. Okay, but oh, well, It started off really bad, but it ended really good, so we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> well, I hope it gets better. So what have you been doing lately in firearms? Um, well, I missed last week's show, so I'll have to go back a week. Um. My friend and listener, Jason, he changed his Facebook page, uh, his picture a couple weeks ago. And in his hand, he's, he's got a Smith & Wesson M&P, and I'm pretty sure he sold it. So I made I made a comment to him, and uh, he did. I'm pretty sure he bought the SIG, and he said, oh, no, it's an old picture. But a friend of his uh, commented on it, and she said that uh, she tried p- pistol shooting once before, and she really wanted to try it again. So I looked at her, her Facebook pro- profile, and it said Oshawa. I figured, perfect. So I thought uh, – I'd paged or page. I tagged Jason and her in a post and I said, you know, well, let's go shooting. Um, so she contacted me and when she sent me the friend request, it changed the city from Oshawa to a place called New Liskard, which is like an hour and a half north of Sudbury. So us, us <laughs> so meeting up Oshawa. for shooting. Yeah, not Oshawa. And it's like seven, eight, seven hour drive. It's a real long drive. So I didn't think we, we'd be uh, meeting up anytime soon to go shooting. But then I find out that the following week, uh, her name is Erica. Erica and her dad were actually driving down here, and they're going to Oshawa. So I said, perfect. And I wasn't I wasn't sure whether I was going back to uh, work or not. So you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday would be bad. She said, well, how about Tuesday? Tuesday's perfect. I'm always off Tuesdays. So uh, we I meet him at the range, and she said, uh, oh. We're gonna meet a, a friend of mine here. Do you know Mike so and so? And I know a lot of Mikes. I'm like, uh, pretty popular. I can't name. tell you for sure. So we get in there, and sure enough, it is it, it is a good friend of mine, Mike. So it was great that they knew Mike there, and everybody got along, and everybody was familiar. So Erica did fantastic. I, I started her on the 22, and then we went up to the Dan Wesson nine millimeter, and then when we got to the 45. I thought she might react, but no, not at all. She she was perfect. Her stats, her grip, everything. All the shots were on paper. The groupings were really good, especially with the rimfire, the 9mm. The 45 was a little peppy for her. She didn't really like the 45, but she never said anything. She she shot the whole box because <laughs> what I did, what I did this time, because instead of me taking my ammo and, and bringing everything together, they still have to sign the guest fee and pay the waiver, right? Come the, so I just had her come to the store. They paid everything at the cash. They bought the 22s, the 9s, and the 45s. And I just gave them my, I just put my employee discount on it because we're going to go right in and shoot it. So that way it didn't, I didn't have to put any money. They paid everything right out of the pocket, right to the store. They went in and uh, 
so they they both shot they both shot really well and then uh, mike had brought his he's had a smith and wesson model 27 2 i believe it was so it was a end frame i hope i'm not wrong here it was a couple weeks ago with end frame 38 357 and she did great on the 38 she liked the 357 because it's not quite as peppy as the 45 um but they had a great time and uh, so after that, no, she really wanted to get her, uh, or oh, I knew dad's name was Paul. Sorry, Paul, I forgot to mention your name. So they had a great time. And now Erica's getting her RPL. And actually, she spoke to her husband. And I like wow. this guy because for her anniversary, the, he's going to take her to the course, nice hotel, wine and diner, kid free, have someone look after the kids. So she's going to go get her RPL on her anniversary. So I like this <laughs> husband of hers. Nice. Yeah, my kind of guy. Uh, at the same time, uh, both Josh and I bought a couple of Grand Power pistols. I think we've had them two weeks. But because of uh, – neither of us got the transfer notifications with them. And because of the new changes for the Trudeau, Trudeau government, uh, we can't transport them without the actual registration certificates. Even though the transfer paper would have the certificate, we can't now. So we've both been sitting here twiddling our thumbs for two weeks they better come next week or I'm going to call and start screaming because it's, this is stupid. Um, That's surprising because I had a friend. He just now he did a private sale and he just got his gun on. I don't know. I'll say Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And by Thursday, he had his paperwork. Yeah, we've got nothing for two weeks. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that both of you have ha are having problems with that. And this went through uh, this went through business. Mm -hmm. It wasn't technically a private sale it went through uh rouge yeah and usually rouge the rivers. business ones go quicker yeah so i'm surprised i think we both better give the cfo a call on monday um but it arrived and i i cleaned it and lubed it and everything it looked pretty good uh it was one of the demo guns but there was very little wear on it maybe a little uh near the the muzzle from being put on the bench and stuff uh single action trigger pull was three and a half pounds double action was eight pounds doable it's not really light like some of my guns but definitely doable yeah. um and what i like to do in something like that like a newer gun especially the grand powers if you keep them cocked and locked in the safe for about a month it'll set the spring a little bit and it'll probably drop the trigger weight down to about three pounds probably take at least a half pound off hmm. so it's been sitting cocked in the safe for two weeks so it's it's working at least while it's doing nothing yeah. um but i'm pretty happy with it unfortunately um the gun only came with one mag but i got a message from dave last week and he found his stash of 10 millimeter mags oh wow yippee so he's giving me one for free because it's supposed to come with two you know mm -hmm. usually but i was aware i only had one so i wasn't yeah. griping about it he's throwing in a free one and he's giving me another three a cost which i greatly appreciate yeah yeah because i imagine those are going to become hard to find mm -hmm. at least for like, now for now until there's another distributor who starts bringing them in regularly which realistically even if you had a new even if you had a new distributor lined up right now, it's going to take them probably a month before they're all set up. And 10 millimeters, probably not high on their list of getting for getting uh, mag then. Yeah, there should still um, like parts and servers. I'm pretty sure he still has the full armor kit. So if you have a problem with the grand power pistol, I'm sure you can still contact Dave and he can he can get you going. Uh, actual product itself, once it's gone, it's gone. So the guns are gone. He does have some P45 mags the p series didn't sell as well as the k series so there'll probably be uh some p series mags left for a while before they get except for the tens yeah oh yeah because you just bought them all up so yeah. i'm pretty sure i already know the answer to this question but um with revolvers anything that you shoot like that's a 357 
Magnum, you can shoot a 38 Special in. Um, in a lot of 10 millimeter revolvers, you can also shoot 40 Smith and Wesson. I assume that's not the case for you, based on the whole dynamic of the magazine and the feeding and everything else. You could probably touch off a 40 in a 10. I wouldn't suggest it because there's quite a bit of length that the bullet has to travel before it engages the rifling. So you yeah. probably have a, a greater chance of damaging the firearm than doing it. I wouldn't suggest ever doing it with the revolvers because you've got the, the cylinders. Yeah. Well, also a revolver, it's setting the case based on the, the rim, where I would assume that like a 10 millimeter or pretty much any other straight walled handgun cartridge, it's actually setting it by the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the end of the case, the, the length of it. Um, well, the nine millimeters usually chamber like that. Um, I'm not sure about the 10 because I'm just getting into the 10. Um, it's probably very similar because even with the revolver, if you pop a 40 into a 10 millimeter cylinder, it's still going to have to jump that little bit. But it's it's a big open cylinder and there's areas for the gases to escape from the BC gap. But yeah. with the autoloader, you've got it enclosed into the breech. So that pressure is that it's created is, is going to go forward. There's no place for the gases to escape like a revolver with the BC gap. Yeah. So I'm, I'm you, you might increase, you know, create really high pressure shooting something that short in that long of a chamber in an enclosed area. So, yeah, I wouldn't suggest it, but do your own research if you really want to gamble with it. That said, you can get a 40 millimeter, uh, 40 Smith and Wesson barrel for the, for the gun. A 40 millimeter, eh? 40 millimeter. They do stock, they do have combos. You could get um, uh, the P40 in 40 with a you know, P40 in 10 with the uh, 40 barrel as well. Oh. So you can just run a second barrel in that gun. That's nice. So if you want to have a gun and say like, yeah, I, I have a 10 millimeter gun, but I want a 40 because that's what I'm going to be shooting most of the time or for competition. That's a nice little uh, combination kit to get. Yeah, the recoil springs might be a little bit different. But recoil springs are easy to change out. Like, if yeah. you're taking out your barrel, you, you're taking out your recoil spring in the process anyways. But as long as you don't get your recoil springs mixed up, it's probably fine. I don't remember it coming with different springs because the, the, the pressure is probably very similar in the two. Oh, okay. It could I mean, be. It probably came with a kit. I don't, I don't. I just remember the, the barrel being available. I don't remember the spring. Mm. But it's still a nice option. Yeah. And something that you don't see very often. No, no, no. And see, so what else happened? Okay, so I got the mags. I have a problem. Yes, we know. More, more, more than one. More than one. I've been in an ice for, for a little while now, and I've been trying to save up to buy uh, Chris Reeves Sabenza 31. It's If you're in a knife collecting, it's like the holy grail of the knife community. It's a production knife. It's not custom. But it's just super well done, heavy duty. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's in demand. When they come in, they, they sell it really fast. So I've been saving up my money more or less for about a year on and off. And every time I get to a certain amount, something happens. So like last time Terry needed $400. Crap, so okay, here, I get give him my knife money. So I had it saved up. I had pretty close to it. And then... The ground power comes up. I'm like, oh, man. Because that's what happens a lot. When I get up to – when the knife money gets up to costing the same amount as a gun, I take the money and immediately I buy the gun instead. Yeah. I'm saving for a knife, but – and it's happened three times now. <laughs> I got off for a good day and I buy the gun instead. And I, so I still don't have the stupid knife. So I still had a couple hundred left. 
I figure, okay, well, I, I got half. I can, I, if I really want a knife, I can, I can buy something. I still got like 200 and change left. And then, of course, Dave messaged me about the magazines. <laughs> okay, so I bought They're the magazines. So now I've got a little bit left. I got enough left where I, I can get this cheap Kaiser land for $107. I don't really want it, but the blade looks really cool. And I don't have that blade steel. So, okay, I'll get myself a cheap little, little, little present. And then Terry comes up to me and she says, oh, do you have $150? I'm like, oh man. So that was it. I got yeah. $30 left, no no knife money. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the Chesterfield, what, Friday night. And of course, like always, I'm daydreaming. I look at my phone. I'm looking up the Sabenzas and figuring, why the hell am I teasing myself looking at this crap? You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to close it. I said, you know what? Go check your lawyer ticket. And then you, you might you might, you might might win something. Then you can look at the knives. Yeah. But, okay. So I turn off the phone. And, and I was going to go to bed anyway. So I went and said, oh, yeah, lottery tickets in the car. Pull it out. Scan it. Ding, ding, ding. Winner. I won $1,000. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So now I have the money for the Sebenza. Not only the Sebenza, I have them for a little bit better Sebenza. So I'm I'm on the website, and they've got them with Marcarta scales and different blade steels. And it's like I put it in my cart, and it comes up like $850. I'm thinking, oh my God. Sorry, and I'm looking at for someone like me who has no idea what this knife is, is that for one knife, $800 for one knife? Yes. Okay. And it's it's nothing fancy looking. Like, it's not that it's exotic materials and it's a, just a titanium uh, liner lock or frame lock. It's just, there's nothing special about it. It's just the craftsmanship is just extremely well done. Yeah. And I'm putting in my credit card number up here. This is stupid. I said, it's just a hard-use EDC knife. I have... Two Spartacle Manix 2s, perfectly fine, extremely hard-use EDC knives. Figure screw it, so I don't get it. Next day, I get up again, and I, I go in again, and I'm going to – and I back <laughs> out. And, and in the end, I went into and I ordered a Spartacle Capera, and I ordered a Giant Mouse Ace – not the Biblio. The Ace – oh, forget it. Ace Grand. So instead of spending $850, I bought two really nice knives for $550, $600, and I gave Terry the, the other $400. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah, so Terry's happy about it because she gets money out of the deal. So now she can both go buy herself something nice. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, but, you know, so at least I had a nice end of the week, right? Mm-hmm. So what about you, Mike? What you've done in guns this week? Well, I've been to the range. I wrote down every time I went to the range, and I apparently went to the range a bunch to train. Um, I've been going with uh, my friend John, who's getting back into competition shooting, and I went with my buddy Dan, who I shoot a lot of i and Ipsic with. He's another revolver shooter, um, so it's really nice to train with him. Uh, yeah, we got out. We did a bunch of training. I've been getting John up to speed. I convinced him. He signed up for the IDPA match. That's tomorrow out at EOSC, so he's very excited about that, and I, I think he's ready to go. I mean... I pretty much told him, you know, like I tell anyone, you're not going to finish last unless you DQ. And you might think that I'm being ridiculous, but if you're a half-decent shooter, you won't come last. Um, that's why, like, when people are nervous about going shooting their first match, I'm always like, first of all, just be safe. Second of all, the odds of you being last are slim. So don't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, so I think he's going to do gr- good. Uh, we've been doing a lot of weak hand, strong hand shooting. He, he has stuff to work on still, but, I mean, he has the basics down. And that I'm confident he's going to do well tomorrow. Um, I realized I completely forgot to talk about my new holster I got. Um, I posted it on the Facebook page, so if you haven't seen it, it's on there. Um, oh, it's the a red one. Hood. 
Yes, it's a Red Hill Tactical double double Kydex holster, um, which is pretty much the same as what I had for my plastic PPQ or Q5, but this one for the steel frame Q5 because it has the rail that's the full length of the the gun. Um, so yes, and I let Sarah pick what design. So I had no idea what my holster was going to look like. I figured she was going to put some you know colorful design. She could have done like hot pink. She could have put you know My Little Pony on it. She could have put you know, she could have blown up her faith and put it on there, right? Um, but no, she got, uh, like, I'd call it a Hawaiian theme holster. And she said she predom- she tried to pick predominantly blue colors in it so that it would match the, the blue trigger in it, in the gun. So, uh, no, I think it looks fantastic. It fits well. Um, I've been using it when I've been practicing IDPA, and I'll be using it in uh, my first match tomorrow. So I'm excited to do that with my first time running the steel frame gun. Um, I'm really starting shirt to go with it. I don't have actually, you know what? I might actually have one. I'm going to have to ask Sarah if I have a Hawaiian, like an action, like a Hawaiian shirt and everything. If I can find one, I'll definitely wear my friend was already bugging me saying like, Oh, you know, you have to get a Hawaiian shirt. I need to wear sandals to the match and I need to shave my beard, but keep the mustache and try and go like Magnum PI style. Well, I wouldn't wear the sandals. It's not safe, and you'll do better if you have running shoes on. But I would put, you know, a pair of um, those khaki beige shorts that he always wore. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if I ever seen an episode of my Magnum PI. Like I've seen pictures of it, like it's so popular, but I don't think I've ever actually seen an episode of it. Oh yeah, that was my my time. Okay, never mind. Move on. <laughs> You're dating yourself, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, that yep. came out in the early '80s. In my 20s, when that came out. <laughs> Yeah, but no, yeah, so I got that holster. It's fantastic. Um, you know, Red Hill Tactical stuff isn't cheap. We had them on the podcast, uh, oh, quite a while ago when we had him. Uh, Robert, I'm pretty sure his name is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had him on the podcast quite a while ago. But, I mean, I would recommend their products. They are fantastic. They are fantastic to deal with. I mean, I remember when Sarah's gun didn't fit the holster, and they were just like, you send us back that one, and we'll send you another one, like, no questions asked. You know, even though how it was actually Sarah's fault that she had ordered the wrong gun. Well, I say it's Sarah's fault. She'll tell you it's my fault because I told her to get one for the long slide so that her regular one would fit in it. But apparently the M&Ps, the long slide and the reg- the four and a quarter are different size width, I think. I don't know. Something different about them. It didn't fit. So my yeah, fault. Uh, it... Essentially customer's yeah. fault. But they were like, nope, not a problem. We'll make you a brand new one and we'll send it out, you know, tomorrow if you want. And then that's when Sarah decided, you know what? I'll just buy a new gun to fit the new holster. Nice. But, but anyways, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, owner's, the owner's name is uh, Robert King. And you, yeah. uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him at SHOT Show 2019. Out of all the dealers, he had the wildest party. Mm-hmm. The wildest. Yeah, he he rented the a bar like on the strip. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It, it was great. I, I didn't last long because I'm not a big partier, but yeah, his is probably about the most, um, a lot of them were, were posh. Like we go a different couple days, you go to like high end restaurants. Yeah. No, this was, this Christmas one was, it was at a bar with, yeah. with pizza and entertainment and it was probably the nicest one. It was just everybody hanging out. We had our own little section roped off from the bar and he, he was a great guy and they were very good to us. That's good. Did you try, yeah, so, did, is our discount code still work on that? I don't know. And I told Sarah, Hey, you should use our discount code. Because I believe it's 10%. Actually, you know what? I think Sarah said she checked it, and it is 10%. So I'm going to assume that means it works. Um, yeah, okay, but good. Because when when I, the... I spoke to him uh, prior 
time meeting him at Shot Show, and he'd had uh, he changed everything, so we weren't on after that. So oh, when I spoke okay. to him, he said he was going to put us back on. So good, we're still in there. So we um, still have a ten percent discount code for Red Red Hill, Red Hill yeah. Tactical. Go to the go to the New Shooter Canada website, search Red Hill Tactical because I have no idea what that what that uh, promo code is. But anyways. Sarah said, though, when she went to the website, there's a pop-up screen that says, hey, if you subscribe to our email list, you get 15 or 20% off. So Sarah's oh, like, better. oh. So she's like, so I didn't actually use your new shooter one because, you know, it was better to do that one. So it's like, oh, all yeah, right, definitely. Like, okay. Yeah. Don't hold anything against her for that, right? To save as much money as you can because they're very high-quality holsters and uh, you pay for it. But, I mean... They are. He's I really, think they he's are really taken off now. He, like, they, they used to be made in his his house, then his garage, and now he's moved to this great big facility, and he's selling all kinds of products now. He's uh, he's become very successful, and it's great to see. Yeah, I think I believe he has his own storefront. Like, I think you can go buy yeah. guns and knives. Like, I always see they always have uh, knives up on there, and I'm not a knife guy. Like Thomas knows that I'm not a knife guy, but he posts some stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, and I'm like, oh, I probably can't get that in Canada though. <laughs> He he's into Med, Medfords, which are great, big, heavy-duty, overbuilt, like, like they're they're more money than the the Sabenzas, and that's what he likes. He's in the big, heavy stuff. Yeah, he definitely seems to carry. Uh, I'll call it the premium quality stuff. Which you know what? In fairness, it goes with his holster, because I would I so far every holster that I've tried, I would say that it's probably the best holster I've used before you get to an open style holster. And it was so. funny if you look at the if you look at the the style that Josh has. I gave Josh that holster, and that's a Red Hill Tactical holster, and that was one of the ones that he first made for David Coping back when uh, he started. Oh, yeah. Those one of the ones that was made in his house, and the quality from that is still the same quality that you get today. Mm, that's great. Which is great. Yeah. Oh, it is. Um. So yeah. So uh, outside of that, I did shoot an Iptic match down at Frontenac. Um, I shot revolver because, you know, that's what I like to shoot. Um, and I came fifth out of like 40 or 60 people. So, like, I don't know if, if you've ever looked at the overall scores of like any Ipsic match, you're not likely to see a revolver in the top. I don't know. I'd say almost 30 percent. That's what I was like going to say. <laughs> you're not you. You don't usually see revolvers that high up. But I will say this: um, this <laughs> match had five classifiers. And pretty much all their classifiers were either like shoot eight, reload, shoot eight, or six, reload six. So in fairness, I had a very, it was a very even balance for me in the sense that I was not some great disadvantage. But even the, uh, the long course, the, I don't know if it actually was 32 rounds, but something close to 32 rounds with steel and a lot of movement and all this stuff. Great stage. Um, I actually got complimented by the RL after he's like, man, you have like, the third fastest time just raw time getting through this stage and i think i went and i looked afterwards and i think i came fourth or fifth like overall on that so i was quite happy i did i did very good on that stage and because i did good with the class fire they're very uh even for me versus a semi with a 10 round mag um well, that, whoever yeah. organized whoever put the, the, the stages together for the classifiers must have had a revolver in mind or they wouldn't have set it to six shots well it wasn't that they wanted to do a bunch of classifiers because a lot of people are come, a lot of level three matches have opened up. Um, uh, like Peterborough, I've signed up for Peterborough. That's in two or three weeks. Um, the Ipswich Provincials is going on this year down in I want I want to say either Guelph or Waterloo. I get the two mixed up, um, but that's that's opened up. That's going ahead. 
Um, I also signed up. I also signed up for Quebec's Epic Provincials, so that'll be fun. I've never actually gone and shot a match in Quebec, so that'll be a, a whole new experience. Um, so I I wonder if there's a lot of people who want to get their classifications, because the way I would understand it, if you went to a level three match, you can't win, you know, first place C class if you're not in C class if you haven't done enough classifiers to have a classification. So. I wouldn't be surprised at a lot of people who want to do it for that reason. Um, but yeah, so because of that, it just worked out. The The long stage wasn't necessarily revolver friendly, but it wasn't revolver unfriendly either. So it wasn't bad. Um, That's but no, it, it was a great match. Great time. Uh, yeah, great time with all the people. Very well run. I ran to Kelly. Um, Kelly Lynn, which was awesome because I haven't seen her and I don't even know when the last time I saw Kelly was. That was great to see her. You know, of course, when we saw each other, faces light up, hugs go around. It was it was a great time. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun there. Um, was she shooting, or was, uh, was it or, she, was, or her friend Kelly? Uh, she was volunteering because she had shot the day before, which was her provisional oh, okay. shoot for Ipsic. So she is now full fledged Ipsic shooter now, which is fantastic Excellent. for her. Yeah, I was really great to see. I. I uh, I was really happy to hear all, hear about that and that she's uh, she's she's getting into it and she's even volunteering, which is another you know amazing perk because there's never enough volunteers in this sport. So yeah, it was great. I haven't seen her since the first TACOM show. Yeah, she I worked, haven't. Yeah, she worked the show. I think I haven't seen her in person. Like I'm starting to think it might have been the last charity shoot out east because I missed one that was out west in between. I think. So we're talking, actually, I know uh, my daughter, I think, had just turned two. So that was three years ago that I've seen her in person. So it was great to see her. Actually, I think today is the day that you guys, you and George and Kelly, went up to Bancroft and shot the first maple seed. Because I got a, a picture in my memories, and it was uh, me me and Kelly and George, yeah. the, three, the, the three stooges, and it was taken up at Bancroft. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And we were six years ago, seven years ago. Oh, that had to have been at least six years ago because, you know, I didn't have any kids yet. (laughs) Let me jump out of my show notes because I I, I know it's in there. It'll be right up in my memories here. But, yeah, it just it seems like forever. Because I haven't seen. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just the way things are, especially now. Yeah. Six years ago, 2015. Yeah. That's 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 interesting to know because I think that was where I met you guys in person. I think the yeah. week after Sarah and I were on your your episode about Maple Seed, and then I think it wasn't long after that that I became a host on the show. You put up so. with this for six years. Yeah, I put up with you for a long time, Thomas. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and the, the, oh. the and the the playing cards came out then too, all the playing cards that we had made up. Yeah, I came that's out cool. around that. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, well, that's all I did. Um, so how about we move on to our main topic today? And our main topic is about inheriting firearms. Um, so my grandfather passed away uh, a couple months ago now. Um, now, my grandfather was not a firearms owner or anything like that, but my grandmother had passed away, so it's just him. They were going to clean out the house, clean out the barn, and I kind of had that thought, you know, like I'm sure most gun owners do. Hmm. Wouldn't that be great if I found out that, you know, grandpa actually had some, you know, really pristine condition, you know, old Lee Enfield, you know, stored away in the back of his barn, never got oh, ready, yeah, completely forgot. That'd be cool. You know, 
you know, and and I thought about that. And then, then my thoughts started turning to inheriting firearms. And I thought, I have no idea what the laws are around that. Now, frankly, if it was a, if it was a non-restricted firearm that was, even if it was never registered, well, it just fell into my safe. And that's pretty much all you need to know because I'm a licensed owner and it's a non-restricted. So you don't track transfers. So we're good. Um, but I also thought, you know, what if, I didn't think so because my grandfather knew I shot. And I'm sure if my grandfather was into shooting, he would have said something at some point in time. But I also had the thought, like, what if he had some cool little, like, snubby revolver tucked away somewhere that no one knew about or something like that? And it got me thinking about, you know, would I be able to inherit that? So uh, before we go too far into this, I do want to say, although firearms laws are federal, most inheritance laws are provincial. So some of this stuff may not always apply, depending on what province you're in, if they have some sort of you know, line in there about firearms. But I obviously know nothing about inheriting firearms. So that's why I asked Thomas if he knew anything. And he said he does. So, uh, Thomas, do you want me to start asking you questions or do you want to just go into your thing? Sure. Okay. Well, let, me, let me just do let me just uh, do what do here. Hang on here. So in, in order to inherit a firearm, first of all, you have to be 18 years of age. You have to have a firearm, uh, valid firearms possession. I, I Unwanted firearms acquisition certificate, PAL, RPAL, whatever. Um, with the unwanted firearms, if there's no eligible heir or the heir does not wish to inherit a firearm, the estate can either transfer them or they – what it is with the estate laws is that it just says reasonable time. So if you say – if your um, if your grandfather, when he passed and he did have firearms, um, your grandmother wouldn't need a firearms license to possess them. Because mm-hmm. in the act, it's actually federal, but a lot of people think that, that that it's illegal, and they immediately dispose of them. They t- they they take them to the police department. They they want to get rid of them as fast as they can. Well, if you and, think that firearms are illegal in Canada, and you all of a sudden find Grandpappy's old you know war war rifle in the closet that you didn't know about, and you're like, I'm a criminal. I better get rid of this before I go to jail. So, and that's exactly what people think. So they'll they'll take these guns into the police. And unfortunately, some of them have great historical value and significance. And once they're in the hands of the, the, the province, they get crushed. They don't they don't save them. They don't rescue them. They don't yeah. care. Which is too bad because it would be nice if, well, I understand if someone brought in, you know, a gangbanger just turn, turned their ways and they said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. And they brought in their, oh, what's that gun, that handgun that's made out of pot metal? Everyone loves to hate on it, even though it runs no matter what. Um. I'm trying to remember, Geek Gadgets and Gun did a test where they put black powder in a case. Oh, the high point. The high, high point. point. You know, if someone turns in a high point, like, you know, and the police say, yeah, we're chopping this up, you know, I'm not exactly sad about that. But it would be nice if someone handed in something that looked antique or old, if they would at least take a look at it and be like, holy smokes, this is actually like a really cool gun or really rare gun, even if the police don't want it. And they don't want to put it, and I understand, they don't want to sell it back out to the public because they're worried that if it got into a crime, if someone used it in a criminal activity, then, you know, it comes back and how can the police are selling criminals, gun, blah, 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 fine, whatever. You could probably deactivate it and give it to the museums because I bet you that there are some stuff that museums would love to have that are very, you know, rare or special pieces out there. Even a deactivated, uh, like a deactivated Thompson or a deactivated uh, Bren gun, they bring big money. Yeah. They're not so functioning good... just because it's a piece of history. Yeah. So that's another good point, right? Why They could deactivate them and they could have like an auction and once a year where they sell off all their deactivated guns and they could even deactivate it to their satisfaction too, right? So 
I don't know what the activation laws are, but let's just say that all you have to do is put a small weld in a chamber and all of a sudden it's considered deactivated because you can't put the round in it. They could weld that barrel shut for like six inches straight. So there's no chance that anyone's ever getting that thing open and usable again. And like to me, if I was if I was looking for a Thompson and you completely plugged the entire barrel, I don't care. I'm not shooting it. So I would still take it for a collector piece. I think I think the big problem is that a lot of people aren't aware of what the the laws are for uh, firearms in Canada for the estate for the like if you are the executor of an estate, uh, estate laws may vary from province to province, but generally an executor has the same rights as the deceased to have the firearm uh, while the estate is being settled. So even if they do not have a license to have the firearm, you can have a firearm left in the state for a reasonable amount of time while the estate is being settled. If the court has a prohibited you from possessing firearms, of course, you cannot take possession of the firearms, but yeah. you are still able to act as an executor and you can transfer the firearms to someone who can lawfully have them. Mm-hmm. So even though it says reasonable time, there is no time limit. Yeah. They can't, they can't say you have to do it now. Um, and there's have, have, been... Have you ever heard of a case where someone kept it for 20 years and they're like that's beyond reasonable you're still getting going to jail for it or have you never even heard of a case like that no but i've heard of police officers showing up and confiscating firearms uh illegally uh there's been a couple of cases where the police knew that the that the person had passed away and then he was a firearm collector and they showed up the next door and they said your husband's dead we're here to collect your firearms and it has happened several times they have no authority to do that whatsoever yeah and unfortunately like you like you said, most people don't know or never bother or don't bother to educate themselves until it's too late at that point. That's the problem. That's the problem. So I had a, a friend of mine a couple of years ago uh, messaged me after the fact his uh, his father-in-law had passed away. Um, he was in the process of getting his firearms license, but he hadn't done it yet. But his mother-in-law ex-mother-in-law was the executive of the estate so he was more worried about her getting in trouble for having the guns so he took the guns from her house to his house to start them there while he got his license by doing that he put her in jeopardy for transferring a firearm without authorization mm-hmm. <laughs> and him for having a firearm without a license yeah and i said no you should have just left them at the house yeah um, you know, you have the same rights and privileges as a regular farms owner you still have to do the safe storage and everything else yeah. But you can legally possess the firearm. You just can't take it anywhere, especially restricted. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to bring that part up. If you don't have a firearms license, even if it's a non-restricted, I assume you still can't transfer. Like, you can't move it. You can't use it because you don't have you a license to. You, you can't use it, but there are um, – because you don't have a firearms license and you don't have a registration certificate, you don't follow under the same – you don't qualify to get an ATT. Okay. You need a license and a certificate in ATT as okay. an executor of this, but there's an exception under the Firearms Act. Uh, and if, was it, what did it where is here? Is it section? I wrote the section down here. Uh, section 94C. Uh, so okay. 94-4. It provides an ex, or yeah, 94-1. Sorry, it it uh, it's an exemption for charges against an executor who is transporting uh, such a gun for anyone else who's a or anybody else in the vehicle, like you so nobody they can't charge anybody in the vehicle. Um, if they're taking it to, if it's the executor, if they're taking it to uh, a licensed facility, so if they're taking it to the gun shop for appraisal or disposal, they don't yeah. need an ATT to transport. It's already included. Okay, that's good to know. But there, there so, is, there is what you have to do. You, you have to. Um, let me just get back to where I was here. 
Um, you have to, there's paperwork you have to fill out and submit to the government. Sorry, at um, what point? Like if you want to keep it forever or? No, as, like just when, as soon state, as you find out that they had a firearm, you know, yeah, grandpappy. It's, it's, it's going to be part of your state's duty as the estate. There, there's forms that you have to, to fill out and submit to the government. Um, uh, that's another problem too. A lot of times where I've been at work, um, where people just show up with the guns. They don't know the laws. They say, can we, can, can you, can you sell these for us? So yeah. they're not even registered as the executor and everything. Um, the CFO are usually really good in cases like that. Usually it's an older person, you know, it's most of the time it, it's some elderly senior person that's, that's doing this. It's, it's not a younger person. Uh, we have the paperwork on file there. We can just print it out, f- fill it out for them. You can just do all the paperwork there for us at the store. We'll do it. They, we, we do it for the customers, yeah. but you should have it all ready and processed before you bring it to the store. So, but you know, I've, I've seen it happen. He says, no problem. And the boss fills out the paperwork and we call the CFO and all they care about, especially if it's restricted, they just want to know where it is. Right. So yeah. they, they know where it is. It's in safe storage at the gun shop. Okay. They're fine. They'll do the paperwork. It takes a while sometimes because the last one, it took months because they hadn't put the paperwork through ahead of time. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's that simple. You yeah. just, you just apply for it. Okay. Well, that, that sounds easy enough, at least. Yeah, what it is, it's, it's a RCMP form. Sorry, here it is. 6016 Declaration of Authority to Act on behalf of the estate. Confirm confirmation that the registered owner is deceased by providing you need the death certificate, uh, letters of probate, or document on letterhead from a police officer or, or coroner um, to ensure that all the firearms are transferred and registered. Uh, yeah, this might make sure that you dispose of the firearm in a safe and lawful manner, basically. And I assume Until that you that... do. Yeah, I, until I, you do, you just have to just say storage loss. That's all. Yeah. So I would assume that that mostly applies to restricted and prohibited firearms where there's actually a registration. It doesn't really, I'm assuming it doesn't really apply for a non-restricted. Well, you have to determine if the valid firearms license and registration certificates do exist, right? Okay. Um, and if either document does not exist at the time of death, the uh, the firearms center will work with you to resolve the situation. As I said, usually the the Canadian Firearms Program, uh, dealing with them on the phone, they're they're, they're very decent. Yeah. You don't. It's when you're dealing with the individual provinces CFOs and individual interpretations that you you tend to have problems at times. Yeah. But the actual firearms center is usually really very. What's the word? They're very helpful. They really are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're very friendly and they're very good about everything. Pretty much all my interactions I've ever had with either the firearm center or even the our provincial. Well, I guess I'm not dealing with the CFO. I'm dealing with the person who's in charge of ATT. They've always been super friendly and very helpful. So, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll go whatever way they can. They, you have to realize, too, that um, they're very understaffed. Like yeah. with the CFO, when it's vacation time, they don't have people come in and, and cover the shift. So at Christmas time, when people are booking off holidays, they don't have Christmas workers come in. So peak summertime, peak vacation time, they, they slow down. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. And those guys are busy. Like they 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 work nonstop. Oh, I I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Um. So then here's no, the question. I, I, you okay. talked about uh, sorry. You talked about you have the same. Uh, I'm not sure if the rights is the right word, but you have the same privileges that the deceased did. So, you know, obviously, if they have a prohibited license, then you have a you have the same rights as them to to keep those prohibited firearms, at least for the time being, while you're figuring out what you're doing. Uh, what if the deceased never had a license? Like, once again, in my situation, 
you know, it didn't actually happen to me, but, you know, just say my grandfather had a, had a gun before licensing or, you know, way back when, and he forgot about the gun and he let his license lapse and he never thought about it for the last 20, 30, 50 years. What happens then? Do that, does that gun, like, if it's restricted, prohibited, could you still kind of claim those rights and almost still be able to keep it? Or would you have to, at that point, would they say, no, he wasn't in legal possession, so you do not get to keep it? Hmm. Well, depends on the class of firearms. If it was non-restricted, and if you know he bought it at Canadian Tire or the hardware store when he was 17 or 18. Yeah. We're assuming everything was legal when he did it. Yeah. And he just put it and he put it away in a garage. You know, he put it underneath the bench and he piled all his tools in front of it and completely forgot about it for the last 50 years. The one that would be a problem would be the restricted because they they have track of those. Yeah, but my question is, is that if that happened, would you, you know, just say my grandfather had some old 38 revolver and it was restricted. It had a five inch barrel on it, whatever. Would I be able to say, hey, this was my grandfather's. He he passed away. Uh, it's a restricted. And like even, hey, I, I took it to the local gunsmith and he verified I have a piece of paperwork that says, yes, this is a restricted, not a prohibited firearm. Um, would I be able to keep it or would they say, nope, he never registered it. He never had his license. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have the license to do it. it it's ours now and it's going into the crusher. No, I've heard of, of people actually that happening and them cr actually creating a registration to give it for the firearm. They just want to know where it is and they want it to be accountable. Yeah. Prohibited actually, different story. Yeah. I'm actually surprised by that. I figured that they yeah. would have said, nope, like he had it illegally. You technically have it illegally now. You have 48 hours to bring it into the police station for, you know, being chopped up. And that's the end of the story. No, I've no, actually heard of them helping because it was an older gun and the guy got dementia and everything else. And, it, and because of that, they... Turning over the whole story, but they they did register the firearm. Oh, that's good. That's that's good to hear that they're that that sounds very good. Like it sounds very accommodating. It depends. Like you know, it, it depends on the circumstances, right? Like if somebody was was ill and they passed away, or they forgot, you know, th there could be you know, extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Depends what it is. Yeah. Now the only thing you know, a, a lot of people, um, I know, I've got this friend Ron at the club. And I've asked Ron to adopt me numerous times because he has such a fantastic <laughs> collection of prohibs. And that's probably the only way if I would ever get a prohib is if somebody adopt me. But at my age, I don't think so because I'm older than his kids. So, well, well, then that brings up a question I have, and that is, who can inherit a gun? So my grandfather died. Would I be able to inherit the gun? Like, let's say if, a, if it's restricted or prohibited. Well, no, let's not say restricted because I do have my restricted license. Let's say it's a prohibited. Would I be able to inherit it? Um, if you're not grandfathered, the only prohibited firearms that you may possess or acquire are handguns made with a barrel length of 105 or less that discharge 25 or 32 caliber ammunition. And it has to be made before 1946 and had to, handgun had to be registered in Canada on December 1st, 1998 wow. for the prohib. So that's very, um, very specific. Like if, and, my, if, if my grandfather had brought back a 1911 from World War II, I don't know. I'm not great with history. Yeah, World War II. So it's, it's, it's basically it's covering a war. But I mean, if he had brought something. Oh, because that would be after that date, wouldn't it? No, 45. Oh, you said 1945. Sorry. 
No, for, well, it has to be 46, right? So the war ended in 45, didn't it? 44, 45. I think well, this I is that date there. is set up for, for war trophies, basically. And there's more, okay. though, because it's it's not just that. You have to be the the child, grandchild, brother, sister, or spouse of that lawful owner. An individual is acquiring for an approved purpose, such as target shooting or to a collection. Okay. Um, sorry, who are those people that can inherit it again? Sorry. The child, grandchild, brother, sister, or spouse of the lawful owner. Okay, so you do. So there, there is a certain bubble that you have to be within. Like you mm-hmm. said, um, like for example, Thomas, if you're like, hey, Mike, I'm getting old in age, and you had some prohibitive stuff, and you're like, hey, I'm going to put you in my will. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't end up being able to get it because we are not related. No. No. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting to know because that's something that I could easily see coming up where someone had a prohibited, they have no family members that's into it, but they know there's a guy at the club who's always been ogling over stuff or knows that he's really big into it. And like, Hey, I'd love to leave him this really cool piece of history, but you wouldn't be able to do that. Unfortunately, no, that's, that's good to know. Why do you think I've asked Ron to adopt me several times? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He has some beautiful, Beautiful prohibited firearms. This, this guy's a customer of ours, and he's not a member of the range, but he used to be the president of the Ornold Gun Club, and he's become a good friend. And at least once or twice a month, he comes in the store just to show me a gun out of his collection. <laughs> just to show you. <laughs> just to show me. Because he, he, he's into uh, World War II collectibles. like He's got Lugers and 1911s and stuff with all kinds of provenance. Uh, provenance. Mm-hmm. So I just... Last one he brought in was uh, an old Colt single action and 44 Magnum with ivory grips. And it was just, oh, it's just, no, it wasn't a Colt. It was a Smith & Wesson. with all hand-graved you know, ivory grips, and it had to be from the late, early early 50s. Just gorgeous stuff. Interesting. So once again, though, you also said it had to be registered back in 99. which is Yeah, it had to be registered prior. It, it can't be the gun that Grandpa bought and put underneath his his tool bench 50 years ago and forgot about it because he would have to have known about it 20 years ago and registered it yeah if you find a prohibitive firearm you're a luck yeah okay <laughs> yeah Rats. not that he left me anything but <laughs> i wish right. you know that's that's something i wish I, I see friends posting pictures of things that they've inherited and i my none nobody in my family was into guns so yeah Same i've here. got one I, nephew that shoots so he's getting some guns when i die <laughs> So, oh, there's a question. Don't tell could, you give it, could you give it to, or sorry, well, not a prohibited, but could you leave him your restricted or your, or your non-restricted? Oh yeah, he's got his firearms license. You can have okay, whatever, so, so yeah, if he whatever he wants. If it's restricted or non-restricted, then you can leave it to anybody as long as they have a license. Or I guess you could even leave it to someone with the anticipation that they're going to get their license. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only like, the only caveat is that it when the when you when the person does pass. It stays with the executor till they decide what they're going to do, and then they they have to legally dispose of the firearm any way they see fit. So if they want to, as I said, there's options to take it to the gun shop, or if you you're will to you, you can take it. Um, say for example, it's will to you, and you don't have your license yet. That yeah. gives the executor no. Oh, he's hold on to hold on to it for a couple of years till you get all your stuff done. So yes. Yeah. I was going to say because that's also one of those things, and I know they kind of left it vague, which is nice in a sense that because what if you inherited something right at the beginning of COVID? And you didn't have your license and you're like, well, I'll go get my license as soon as I can. Well, I mean, you may still not have gotten your license by now. So, yeah, in a case like that, I would like to think that if you if the police ever cracked down on that, they would look at it and be like, hey, look, 
I, I've registered for five different courses and they all keep getting shut down because of COVID. I am trying to get my license. Like, I don't think they really care um, about the time frame as much. They, they're, they're more content to know where they are. They just want to know where they are. So yeah. long as they know they're at that location, they're fine. You know, I guess if, if you've got and you're not, 10 and years. That, you, and you're not just dragging it out for 20 years because you don't want to yeah. get your license. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as I said, it says reasonable. Well, reasonable to whom? Reasonable to them or reasonable to you? Yeah. Well, so that's, all, that's, a, that's a different question, too. Yeah. Yeah. But on a whole, I, uh, the farm center just wants to know where they are so they can just keep track of everything if they're restricted. Yeah. Right, sorry, that's about uh, it. Luckily, so that's why it's always a good idea if you do, if you, no matter what age you are, it's always a good idea to leave a will because if it goes through probate, it's going to cost you money. And yeah. if you've got specific guns that you want or guns or knives, in my case, that you want to leave to people, you should write it down. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that when I think uh, when Sarah and I went and we got our wills done. You know, it's very generic because we have kids, so we're giving pretty much everything to our kids. But I think we even have a line in there somewhere that says that all our firearms are going to my one buddy who had a license and had it restricted to. And it's not meant to be like, here's for him to keep. They're meant for him to hold on to. And he said pretty much the same thing to me, that I'm his person so that if something ever happens to him and his wife at the same time, that they all come to me. And kind of the, you know, it's implied that we're going to hold on to it until our our kids or their kids get to the age where they can get their license and we can give it, sell, air quote, sell it back to them. Actually, that's a good point too. Cause if, if, if you both go at the same time, then there's no executor. Well, no, well that, and also it's like, here's the reality. Like you look at the guns that Sarah and I have probably 90% of them. If, if I died and Sarah decided that she's going to sell probably 90% of them, being alive i wouldn't care right um oh, like, yeah. move on be happy take the money do something with it but i mean there are a couple of guns that have sentimental value to me right that you know might be nice if they kind of got held on to and yeah i understand they might just sit in a safe forever but it's almost like a memento right like my yeah, you, my you want to make sure lila thing. gets her rifle and stuff like that yeah that and like i have stuff from my grandfather and my grandmother that you know they're you know, essentially, if if you were appraising the value of them, they'd be like, here's a dollar for it. But to me, they have a lot of sentimental value and they represent something to me. So I would imagine that like my kids or something else, that might represent something to them, right? Like shooting is such a big hobby of mine. It, I, I would imagine that my kids would be, take something at least just to be like, yeah, my father was really big into shooting, into competition shooting, and I can show you the gun that he used, right? So... That's yeah. not a bad back backup plan, having an alter alternate person just in case. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that I mean, you don't want to think about it. Like I mean it it trust me, thinking about death sucks enough. Right? Thinking about my wife and I both being in a car accident and leaving our kids with no parents, that's a really shitty thought. But at least that, you know, make sure that there's some sort of memento and there's some sort of money coming back at them at least. But that's a that's a will talk. That's a will, someone who does wills. There's a specific lawyer that does that. I can't remember. Anyways, um, that that's something that you should ask them and you should consult with the lawyer because neither of us are lawyers and neither of us do anything near this for our work. So, now, See, that's something I wish I had. I, I, I don't have anything from my dad or, or my grandparents. It, I was the only family that was into it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I don't have guns from my grandparents, but I mean, I have other stuff that are mementos, right? Things that I'm going to keep and that I'm going to remember my grandparents from. Um, like my parents gave me a set of horseshoes. Um, I've been looking for a pair. I was look, My parents knew I want a pair of horseshoes and I have the property. I can set up a horseshoe pit, but they gave me my grandparents one. And I found out that they were actually his parents or his dads that were handed down to him. And now they've been handed down to me. So that has like a lot of memento to me. Even if I never set up a horseshoe pit and never play horseshoes again in my life, I'm still going to hang on to them because they have memento va- momentous. Oh, Whatever it is, it's value to me. I'd hang them up until you could actually use them, put them up in display someplace. Yeah. Well, that's actually what we're thinking about doing. Uh, I got a crokinole board from my grandfather, too, which was his his crokinole board. Um, and we kind of looked at it afterwards. And we're like, oh, this this is in rough shape. And I asked uh, my carpenter friend. And I said, like, I'm like, I'm just getting an idea. How much would it cost for you to make this usable again? You know, without taking away too much of the uh, the uh, what's the right word? The value of it to me of it. You know, that it was my grandfather's. And he kind of hemmed and hawed and looked at it. And he's like, dude, this is in rough shape. He's like, for how much it's going to cost for me to fix it? He's like, just go buy one. And I was like, you know what, then? I will buy my own crokinole board. Not a problem. I might hang that crokinole board up in the up in the basement or something like that. Because it was his and he liked playing crokinole. And it's something to remember him by. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Have a little games room and put that up as one of the display pieces. Well, right? that's why I always thought, right? And the horseshoes, too. Once again, right, even if, if something happened to me and guns are illegal by the time that, you know, my daughter's old enough to to take possession of something like that, even if they deactivated it and just put it on the wall, like, you know, this was my dad. It's it's a useless hunk of metal, but it means something to them because it was something to me. So, yep. All right. Uh, here, let's see what other questions I had. Um, so you mentioned that you can inherit a firearm even if you don't have a license. Um the prohibited ones, a little, you have to be, you know, a certain distance away in blood to be able to get that. Um, I think it's the, that's the most common thing is that people inherit firearms and then don't have their licenses. That's the most common thing I see. And that doesn't surprise me, right? Because I'm yeah. sure that a lot of people, like I live in a very big hunting area, excuse me, and I am sure that there's a lot of dad that have their firearms license that, you know, have, you know, one rifle, one shotgun, a 122 kind of thing, you know, your standard setup. And probably the wife doesn't have a license because she doesn't hunt and they don't shoot for fun. And, you know, and the dad passes away and they don't have, no one else has a license in the family. And like you said, they don't know, if they don't know what to do, they panic and they take it to the police station. Um, but I would also like to point that out. If you're ever going to take a gun to a police station, call them ahead of time. Don't just walk in and say, I have a gun. That That's a surefire way of you know, leaving with more holes than you went in with. Yeah, and, and actually these days, they prefer if you call them and let them pick them up. Let, it, let them pick it up. <laughs> oh, really? They'll come pick it up, too. Yeah, they'll come pick it up, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't see, like, I don't see a problem with that. I'm just, uh, no. If most people would probably see that as a, a service as opposed to, uh, you know, a detriment. So, yeah. Well, that's good to know. But, you know, it's it's a fact of life that we're going to have to all deal with it one time, which is it's not the, yeah. the best subject, but it's something that we will all encounter sooner or later in our lives, yeah. whether we're giving them away or whether we're willing them away or whether we're receiving them from somebody. So yeah. I forget, was it when you suggested it, it sounded like a great topic. Yeah, well, it's one of those things that, you know, like you said, it's an unfortunate thing. We're all going to come across it. We're all going to come across death eventually. And, 
you know, and I was thinking about this, you know, if you're listening to this podcast when it's over, go talk to your significant other, right? Even if they don't have a firearms license and they have zero interest, even if they don't like that you have guns, at least tell them, tell them this information so that they know not to just run to the police and get everything chopped up, right? If nothing else, they could turn around and sell it all. Even if they just take it to their nearest store and sell it all on consignment and lose a bunch of money on the value of it because they take too much money, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into that. At least then you know that your partner is going to get money out of it, right? This hobby that you spent a lot of time and money on, at least your partner will get something out of it if something happens to you. Mm, have a friend go with them because you don't want them selling them for what you told them you paid for it, not what it's well, actually worth. <laughs> I was going to say, is that another <laughs> line where you you put a, you sneak a little line in your will that yeah. says, by the way – <laughs> that gun I said was was two hundred dollars was two thousand dollars. Uh, go into the safe, peel back the siding on the left side. You'll find a piece of paper with the va- the actual value of every gun. Don't be mad. Be happy that you just won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, some guns are worth the lottery too. You can get some. Some of them are pretty. Exp- I've heard of some guys inheriting some nice stuff. So well, that's just it, right? And gun prices are going up and up, right? So there are guys that buy a gun. And maybe n- never shoot it, right? Like, uh, like I'm just thinking about my competition guns. They're worth at least a thousand dollars each. Some of them, much more, right? And now Sarah knows all this because she's into shooting. But you know, if you weren't into shooting and you had no idea what the value of a gun was, and you don't know one gun from the other, you know, if you're taking your high point and you're trying to sell it at the same price that you're trying to sell, you know, an original World War One 1911, the price. Price point's going to be a little different on that. So you want to make sure that you're getting the right value for it. Definitely. <laughs> Some people think, oh, well, it's a little old, a little beat up. It's not going to be worth a lot and ends up being an old, rare Winchester. And yeah. yeah. Sometimes those are the guns that are worth the most, right? So. Actually, if you do if you do inherit something from, from, from the estate – um, it's not a bad idea to actually have somebody come in and actually appraise the collection first. And actually, my friend uh, Ron that I was talking about, he's done that for a couple of people for me. He's actually gone in for the estate and appraised all the firearms. I had one uh, last year, somebody come in and asked, and there was an extensive collection of Winchesters, some that he has never seen, and he is a Winchester expert in Canada. It was a massive, massive collection. And uh, oh, he charged them for it, but he, oh, yeah. he, valued, he, he valued them all because he was there for like four hours. Yeah. Um, so here's a question who, like, I wouldn't even know. How do you find a, an appraiser versus Joe Schmo gunsmith? Could I assume not every gunsmith is an appraiser, like would be a, a good appraiser? No, you want somebody who's actually a, an accredited appraiser that knows what he's talking about. Usually your local gun shop should be aware of who an appraiser is or, um, I'm trying to try yeah, because like you said, you get appraisers to come to your store, so I would imagine yeah. that most of I know the appraisers. Yeah. Yeah, most, I guess if you go on some of the – I guess you, if you're looking for an appraiser, I guess some of the forums would be the best bet because I don't – I've actually seen – like a gun shop will give you an appraisal, but – Yeah, well, I'm no. also thinking if you could call the gun shop and say, hey, who's your appraiser, right? They might have a guy on site that does their appraising, or they might be able to say, oh, yeah, we call in Bob from Bob's Firearms Appraisal – Here's his phone number, and then you could yeah. that would put you in connection. You can call him up and do your thing with him. So yeah. So, but the only reason why I would say go with your local versus a forum is just because you go on CGN. First of all, if you're not in the guns, you're not going to go on. A, you're not even going to know what CGN is. Um, second of all, the first five 
you know, recommendation might be from the other side of the country, right? Sure. Whereas if you call sure. your local gun shop or you go into your local gun shop, they're going to know the local guy, right? And they've also had experience with every, with probably more than one of them, and they probably know who's the good one and who's the bad one, right? So, And an old person probably isn't going online in the forums and looking on the internet for appraisers, or they'll probably just go to the local gun shop anyway. Yeah. <laughs> my grandparents didn't even have a computer in their house. The only reason why they had a modern TV was because my parents bought them one. Like, you know, so. My grandparents did have one. I oh, think yeah? They only lasted a month and they couldn't figure it out and they got infected with all kinds of viruses. <laughs> yeah, the computer didn't last long. I remember emailing my grandfather once and after that I never heard from him. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I mean, that's just the reality, right? Uh, you don't always keep up with technology. And to be frank, at their age, they don't need to keep up with technology because you know, they got the friends they got. They they go to the place they want to go. They don't really need to be on the internet and sending emails. They'll call you. And trust me, I know that because there's a few older members at the club and that I shoot with. And I know if they say, I'm going to call you, they mean they're going to pick up their telephone and call me. Whereas if a young person says that to me, I assume, oh, they're going to send me an email or a text. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, if you have any feedback, questions, or comments about either inheriting firearms or just in general if you have a topic that you want us to discuss feel free to get in touch with us either on the website at that's newshootercanada.ca or you can email us at host at newshootercanada.ca or the best way i'd say is on our facebook page or in the comment or yeah or in the comments there um do you have any including comments no i i thought about a few things but I didn't feel like writing anything tonight. Yeah. I'd say my closing comment is just make sure that whoever you're giving your guns to know that they're getting them. So they're not going to be surprised if you're, if it's your spouse, because you're just going to leave it to them so that they can collect the money when they sell it. At least make sure that they have some of this knowledge bouncing around their head. So they're not completely, you know, in the dark when, you know, if the unfortunate ever happened. Um, yeah, I'd say that's, yeah. Or if you want to leave them to me, I spell my last name D O N N E L L Y, first name Thomas. I'll take anything that you want to give away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd also say, yeah, get get the get a will. I mean, it goes way beyond firearm. It's a good way to make sure that you're giving the people that you love the most, you know, the most money. Or like I said, that super sentimental thing that might have gotten thrown in the garbage by anyone else, but to you and them, it means something special. So yeah. Anyways, shadows, Thomas. Um, the Ontario Lottery Corporation for giving me a thousand dollars. It's greatly appreciated. You know what my numbers were? <laughs> I I what? I only played four numbers. Exactly. Nineteen eleven, nine <laughs> and forty five. There you go. So I just put them in sequence. I bet <laughs> just the four numbers and I put ten dollars on it. Huh. Well, Congratulations to you. I'm glad that you uh, you enjoyed your money and you were generous and gave some of it back to Terry. So don't tell her I haven't given I haven't given it to her yet. Oh well, she doesn't know she's getting it, but she'll get it. Well, <laughs> so you can't go in person to cash it now. You have to do everything by mail because of COVID. Tell tell her uh, tell tell her that she has to listen to this episode. And if she doesn't listen to it, then she doesn't get the money. And you wait a month, she doesn't say anything to you. Oh, she didn't listen to it. You get to keep the money. <laughs> hmm. No, I'll get in trouble. There's probably something I said that'll, that'll set her off. No, I'm not going to tell. I'll just surprise her. <laughs> Sometimes she does listen to the show, and all of a sudden I get quizzed afterwards. So who's this? Who's that you're talking about? 
<laughs> so Mike said you bought another gun that you didn't tell me about. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. a Dan Wesson? I just... <laughs> <laughs> Who's this Dan Wesson? Why are you associating with him? Do I need to be worried? <laughs> Do I need to go downstairs and look in that safe? <laughs> yeah. She can. She's got it restricted. She knows the combination, but thank God that power chair doesn't go down those stairs very well. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> well, it goes down well. It doesn't really come back. Oh, yeah. Up. One way trip. It would probably flip crush her and that be it. Oh, but then geez. I can hear all her guns, so don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my shout out is to uh, all the volunteers at the Ipstick Match. Um, it's great to see all the great to see like volunteers out there. It's great when you can actually have so many volunteers that you actually have people patching for you, right? Uh, I struggle just to get safety officers, so I want to say thank you to them and also thank you to the match director and all the other people who do all the work behind the scenes. It was a fantastic match. I had a great time and. Really, Frontenac, if you want to go to a good match, go to Frontenac. They always run good matches. I don't know what it is they do better than other clubs, but they always run fantastic matches. So if you've never been there, go for a drive. It's a nice range. I think that's where I did my qualifying uh, Ipswich match was at Frontenac. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful range. Uh, I yeah. would recommend you bring some sort of uh, uh, wagon with you because uh, it is a bit of distance between the ranges, but that's because they have so many ranges. Um but yeah, it's a nice facility, and they, they run, like I said, they run fantastic matches. All their matches, I-Corps, IPSIC, I've never been there for an IDPA one. But yeah, they, they, they have it down pat. They know what they're doing. They run fantastic matches. All right, so Thomas, you want to take us on out of here? Okay, until next week, keep your barrels down range and smoking. Time spent at the range and time spent with family. Good night, everyone. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for putting up with us. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. I like guns. I like guns.